It's time for episode 161 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 2nd, 2016, in Ireland, live before a studio audience. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast that's fueled entirely by tea and Guinness. I'm Jason Snell, your usual host, and sitting down the table from me, a special guest co-host, Mr. Mike Hurley of Relay FM. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jason. That's my Dan Warren impression. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Just to make you feel at home. So we're at the old conference here in Ireland, and we're going to do a special live Clockwise, which is what you're listening to now, everybody out there who is listening. And uh, as always, though... We have two special guests, and we'll all bring four tech topics to the table and get it done in less than half an hour. So to my left is Mrs. Soup from the chat room. She listens to every episode of Clockwise Practically Live and is commenting in the chat room, but this time the tables <laughs> are turned. Uh, it's Kathy Campbell. Hello. Hello, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. Do you know how the show works? I do. Okay. <laughs> and to my left, developer of Peacock and uh, panelist, frequent panelist on The Incomparable, Mr. James Thompson. A pleasure to be here, um, but I was thinking, you know, Clockwise is probably the most stressful podcast that I'm on, and how could you make it more stressful? Well, you could have a room full of people. Yeah, we have people. So, <laughs> Can you make um, sound people so people know that you're here, like a clap? Yeah. It's always good. It's always good to get the clapping in soon, yes. let them know that you're there, that everyone's having fun. Uh, so let's start with topic number one, which comes from me. After many months with no updates to the Mac of any kind, Apple announced a new MacBook Pro, which led many people to declare, strangely, that Apple has completely lost the plot when it comes to the Mac. So what do you think? Does Apple really care enough about the Mac? What's going on at Apple with the Mac? Kathy? Well, it's funny because if you look at those lovely spreadsheets that were on talks yesterday, you can see that uh, Apple is definitely concentrating on the iPhone and the iPad. And so the uh, Mac is still important to it, obviously, because it keeps making them and it keeps updating them. So however often they choose to make those updates, it's kind of up to them and people will still buy them and still make decisions about the uh purchases that they make through Apple. So regardless of what the people of the world think about Apple, Apple knows what it's doing and it's making very accurate decisions. So I think that fundamentally Apple still do care about the Mac, which is why there's any Macs left at all, because otherwise they'd just stop making them. As you say, like if nobody's buying them, they're just not going to make them. Um, But I think that where the Mac is right now, there's just less to do with it. And there's a lot more to do with iOS, so I think that as iOS devices and that market continues to grow, and considering how much more money there is left in it, I think Apple's going to continue to focus more on iOS and update the Mac if and when they need to. But I will say that I think that Apple should come back to focusing a little bit more on incremental speed improvements and internal improvements to the Mac throughout the life cycle of the case, which I think is something that they've failed on so far in 2016. You know, like the MacBook Pro could have had some speed bumps. Obviously, the Mac Pro needed them. Uh, as we were talking about an upgrade yesterday, Apple clearly decided to take a bet on skipping an Intel chipset, and that's come back to bite them in the rear. So I think that they once they get that focus back in, which I think they will, uh, people will stop worrying so much. Well, um, to me, the hello again tag that they used for the event promised an awful lot more than they actually delivered. 
because Hello was the original Mac launch, and Hello again was the iMac launch uh, in the late 90s. And both were pretty pivotal, pivotal moments in Apple's history. And uh, Daniel Pasco of Black Pixel had an interesting theory. He thinks that something got pulled at the last minute after they sent out the invitations. And there's precedent for that, because I think the Apple TV, the new Apple TV announcement got pulled from the WWDC uh, keynote. Uh, so this may be us clinging on to like an emotional life preserver because we really care about the Mac and we, we want it to be true. Um, but the other interesting thing to me is that the iPhone 7 is benchmarking pretty close to the low-end uh, MacBook Pro. And uh, it doesn't seem impossible that Apple will switch the Mac to use an ARM processor that they would have a lot more control over, uh, which would have been a pretty significant announcement. Uh, people say, you know, what about developers who will need to make new versions of their software? What about the people who need to run Windows on it? And I say those people should form a self-help group with those people who are upset about not having physical function keys anymore. Uh, in short, I'm going to wildly speculate that Apple pulled an ARM Mac Pro from the keynote, and we will see it at WWDC next year. Wow, that is a wild... You really went bold in the line as well. Mac Pro was a, was a bold move, James. Yeah. I don't know. I'm skeptical that they'll ever put ARM... Uh, I mean, there is an ARM processor in the MacBook well, Pro. It drives the little touch bar. But uh, that's not why. So in essence, I've won. <laughs> but I'm a little skeptical because I don't know. It's a, the, the Mac to Apple. I feel like is is it's it's a legacy product in the best sense of that, which is it, it's the product for people who want to keep buying a Mac. And the iPad is never going to be the Mac, and they don't want to make the iPad a Mac, nor do they want to make the Mac an iPad. And so Apple, you see them walk this line where they want to make the Mac better, but they don't want to turn the Mac into an iPad and make it a touchscreen and change how the interface works in order to do that because they've got a, a ground-up touchscreen operating system over right next door with iOS. I don't buy into the speculation that, oh, we're never going to see another Mac Pro, we're never going to see another iMac. I fully expect the whole line will be refreshed by uh, you know spring, basically. So I think, I think it'll be okay. But I think Apple brought it on itself with a long gap between Mac updates. All right, that's one topic down. Why don't we move on to topic number two? Kathy, what do you have? Yeah, so how do you describe your tech passions to non-techie family and friends? And alternatively, how do you tell people what you do for business? So at this point in my life, through luck, happenstance, and deliberate choices, my passions and my work are one and the same. So to describe one now means I have to describe both, and it's basically impossible to do that. Uh, to anybody that doesn't know what a podcast already is, you just you're lost at the point where the question is do you know what a podcast is you've lost that person because if they if you had to ask them that question they never knew so i'm trying to come up with a new way of describing what i do and the best one that i have the most fancy one is to say that i'm a communicator wow but that also comes with it more questions i haven't got the stock answers to the inevitable subsequent questions yet but i'm going with communicator now or I'll just say I own a business and leave me alone. <laughs> um, well, I used to have a lot of problems describing what I did uh, for a living. I would say something like, you know, I write Mac software. And they'd firstly say, well, what's a Mac? And then they would say, what software? Is that like underwear? And yes. Exactly <laughs> the same. 
Then when the iPhone came out and the App Store appeared, um, I could say, well, I write iPhone apps. And everybody knew what that was. And they would then say one of two things. They would either ask if I was a millionaire, which I am not, uh, or they would say, well, I've got a brilliant idea for an app. <laughs> and you could make it and you could give me 90% of the, the money, and uh, at which point I would back away slowly. Uh, nowadays, if you say you make apps, people are not particularly interested again, but they do understand it because most people have got a smartphone at this point and sort of are clear on the concept. But, you know, also no, I didn't write Pokemon Go. I didn't make Facebook. I will not fix your Android phone but I have met Steve Jobs. My, every time I talk to my mom, she asks me to explain what I do again. <laughs> and I haven't managed to get through to her even now. I did walk her through it again. Like I do these podcasts and I do these, oh, let, let me talk to you about podcasts. I do this website. Let me talk to you about the web. Um, and, you know, she is a smart person, but she doesn't understand this, like, why don't you have a job and yet somehow you make money thing. Um, so that's a challenge. I always explain to, uh, to people about writing about technology I tried to say, it's a great job. You get to play with all the new toys. You get paid to play with the new toys. And I really do feel that even to this day. That, that That's the great thing about what we do when we're writing about technology is, you know, people do this, uh, lots of people do this as the thing they love to do as their hobby is they buy new technology and they play with it. And it's not what they do for a living. They just love it. We love it and get to do it for a living. And that's an incredible privilege. So um, I always say that to people. And then as for podcasting, I don't know. Uh, my friend Tim Goodman always used to say podcasting is like radio, but without all the listeners. And sometimes I would try to remind myself of that. That's that's about right. So uh, I have given up trying to explain what I do uh, to my parents, especially because they always ask me because all of their friends find out you know, what's going on, what, what's happening. And, uh, they always answer that I'm a photographer, even though I only have like one session a month and it's just for fun. Uh, but then I try and explain that I help people. So I help them with their business or I help them with whatever they need help with. And that tends to soothe their sanity, uh, as long as none of my parents' friends ask any more deep questions. Um, and then my tech passions are great because I'm like, look at this cool thing. And they're like, yay. And then I just go and listen to Upgrade and connect it. And I, I have my peeps. All right. Well, that's two topics. We have two topics to go. Mike is going to bring us our third topic. But first, I have to tell you, and Mike nods because... These yes, sponsorships at Relay FM are very important to Mike. I need to tell <laughs> you about to you. our halftime sponsor. They're all important to me. <laughs> but I feel like the boss is here and, and he's watching me. Uh, this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Linode, a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world. So not just in the United States, like we aren't, but all over the world. And you can choose where you want to have your server with a click of a button because i got a very easy, easy web-based interface. You choose your resources the Linux distro you want on your server and that node location right from the web-based manager tool. And you can deploy, boot, and resize that virtual server with just a few clicks from that tool. I got to watch my Linode server last month tick up toward my entire data rate. For the, I, I used 100.12% of my data for the month. It was perfect. 
Nailed it, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Nailed it. And plans just start at $10 a month, which gets you a server with two gigabytes of RAM. It's pretty cool. Um, Linode's great for tasks like running a private Git server, hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating powerful applications, running your own podcast network and uh, Apple technology blog. Oh, that's me. Uh, and so much more. Uh, and they've got industry-leading native SSD storage and a 40 gigabit network. So pretty much Linode servers have all the power you need to get what you need to do done as a listener to clockwise you can sign up at linode.com slash clockwise that's l-i-n-o-d-e.com slash clockwise you'll support us you'll get twenty dollars toward any linode plan and there's a seven-day money-back guarantee so there's nothing to lose give it a try that's linode.com slash clockwise take advantage of that twenty dollar credit or just use the promo code clockwise 20 at checkout thank you to linode for supporting clockwise mike how'd i do 10 out of 10 jason all right what's your topic so, with the introduction of the touch bar on the new MacBook Pro, keyboards are being invaded by screens, um, even in the, the most sense that we think would never go away, which is on a laptop, which is 50% keyboard. So, I wonder, to our illustrious panel here, how important are keyboards in your life, and how do you think they will change over the next five years? Well, I mean, I would say they're not very important to me, but I've been using the same old wired extended Apple keyboard um, for quite a long time, moving it from development machine to development machine. And if you tried to take that away from me, I'd be quite upset. Sounds pretty important, James. Um, (laughs) Maybe. Um, I mean, I type a lot of numbers and operators and stuff when I'm making PCALC and testing it. Uh, So I do like the numeric keypad, uh, which has definitely gone away. Uh, but I'm not somebody who thinks any faster than I can type, uh, so I'm not particularly limited by the keyboard um, or fussed about the mechanics of how it's built. I did like the big Apple extended keyboard too, um, the, the one that you know would probably stop a bullet. Uh, but when people start talking about like cherry blue versus brown versus bilberry purple switches, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I do tend to tune out a bit. Sorry, Jason. The ch- cherry blue has got a little higher pitched kind of click where the cherry brown is more of a clack. <laughs> please, let's yeah. move on. Can we move yeah. on? Please, please. Um, so I'm generally happy with the keyboards on Apple's laptops and uh, they don't have much travel, but it doesn't really bother me. Um, and I haven't tried the new ones for any length of time. I don't think I want the full sort of MacBook DS with the two screens. Um <laughs> and be typing on glass all the time, but maybe the trade-off with flexibility would be worth it. You know, um, I'd give it a go. Somehow I have, I realized the other day I have like eight keyboards within like five feet of me in my office. <laughs> you I, care a lot about I, I may have a problem. Yeah. I do, I do care a lot about keyboards. You know what I do for a living? I, uh, I, when I'm not talking to a microphone, I guess I have to care about microphones too. And I, and then I type. That's what I do is I type. I type things. And I do care very much about keyboards. And it, it pains me. I, my primary work system is an iMac with a keyboard attached. It is a crazy mechanical keyboard that I bought on eBay from a company in Korea. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, then I bought another one with a different set of key switches because I wanted to compare it to. And I tested those out. And it's a whole rabbit hole I fell down. I, I, I blame John Gruber. He started this. It's his fault. He enabled me. But, um, and, and then we talked about it on the talk show for 20 minutes mm. and bored everybody. And people like James were just skip, skip, skip forward. So I care a lot. And if I, were, if I were relying on a laptop to do my job all the time and I wanted the most cutting-edge laptop, I would kind of despair right now because I don't like that keyboard that Apple has put in the MacBook Pro. Fortunately, um, it's usable. 
and I don't have to rely on that as my primary keyboard. And so for those reasons, it doesn't bother me quite so much. But um, and for my when I write when I travel with an iPad, I bring an external keyboard, and I can choose which one I want for that, and I choose one that pleases me. Yeah. So uh, keyboards are important to me, not necessarily the type of keyboard, but the fact that my fingers will go automatically to where they need to go. So I need to be able to feel it. It doesn't matter how it clicks, how far my fingers have to travel. The little bumps on the F and the J, knowing where my fingers are for all of the shortcut codes, regardless of what program I'm in, I know what order my fingers have to go to make the item that I'm on do what I need it to do. So a complete touch screen keyboard just freaks me out because I couldn't do most of the stuff that I do as fast as I do it if I have to constantly be looking at the keyboard to make sure that my fingers are in the right spot. That kind of scares me. But uh, I don't mind, you know, the MacBook adorable keyboard. I don't mind the big long one that can stop a bullet. It doesn't matter as long as I can feel the keys. So I'm not really a big keyboard person. Like I, I like keyboards that feel nice, but my variance of what feels nice is very large. So, and again, like I don't type enough. I don't write very much. So it's basically just whatever I can type out emails on, basically. And that, that there is a big... You know, I have a big span there. I actually quite like typing on the iPad software keyboard because I like the experience of the my fingers tapping the glass because I don't know how to touch type. I literally do not know. So it doesn't bother me. I always look down at the keyboard anyway. So having some nice bright LCD screens lighting up the way sounds great. I look forward to the day where it's all a screen. Even, you know, that would be great for me too. I'm looking forward to those days. All right. One more topic. James, what do you have? So on a previous edition of Clockwise, I talked about how I wasn't going to buy a VR headset. Yes. And I was going to go outside and get more exercise. <laughs> yes, I remember this. I'm gl- I, was v- I was very proud of you, James. I think that that's an excellent move. So then Mike got his PlayStation VR headset and he was talking about it. And I ordered one. <laughs> and it, it wasn't going to arrive until like the week after all, but it came just the week before. And then I needed to get the, the PlayStation Move and everything. But I got it all set up just, to, just as I was leaving. Um, so now that all the big three headsets are out and you know we've seen the sort of software that's on them, uh, do you think the VR industry is going to grow from this point? Or do you think it's going to crash and burn? Uh, because you know people will try it and just or nobody will try it. I think I think it's going to grow. I think um, has Microsoft tell me has Microsoft announced what they're going to do with Xbox and VR? No. Yes and no. Like oh. they 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 say that their next console in twenty end of twenty seventeen will include virtual reality. All right. I mean, I and that's I, I, so there's growth right there. Right. I I feel like the two easiest places for VR are console-based and PC-based. And we've got, you know... And, and I suppose then the third easy one is phones, phones and sticking a thing on your face. <laughs> sticking a phone on your <laughs> face. And uh, so I think it's going to grow. I think it's going to be great for games. I'm not quite sure whether, whether it will be great for anything other than that. But um, it's incredibly immersive, and that's what you want for a game experience. I mean, the ultimate gaming experience now is probably turning your lights down low and sitting in front of a, a TV or a, or a PC monitor pretty close and just being completely engrossed. And what could be more engrossing than VR, where you're just yep. you know wearing a, 
uh, a helmet that that blocks the world from you and all you have is the game and um and so yeah i think i am a believer in that i'm not sure i'm a believer in vr taking over everything we do and i'm not sure i'm a believer in people saying i'm just going to watch netflix and vr from now on and sit on my couch with a helmet on but um i do think for gaming it's going to be what we think of now as like Oh well, these are this is PC gaming. It's uh, souped up P- uh, PC for gaming is what the serious gamers do. I think that's all going to become real. People who came, care about games will all be in VR, and uh, and and then and then it'll move down to more casual players. Yeah, uh, as one of the more casual players, uh, I have a original PlayStation and Ooh. a Wii. And I never touch them. They're still kind of in the box since we moved three years ago. Uh, But I'm really enjoying watching the creativity, knowing that I'm not planning on buying a VR headset or any machine that will play VR for a while. Um, So it's kind of interesting to just sit and watch all the tech people talk about it. And I can learn all the information that I want for five, 10 years down the line when it becomes more of a thing, which I'm sure it will become more of a thing, just not anytime remotely soon. So I'm a big believer in VR because I love VR. I've tried all the main headsets. I have the PlayStation Move at home, and I think it's amazing. It provides gaming experiences that didn't exist before. But the reason I think that VR is going to grow is because the biggest companies in the world or the technology companies they grew to that size because of the smartphone smartphone came and everything exploded and there's nothing else there isn't another smartphone so i think that technology companies like facebook and google i don't know what apple thinks that they're doing with this or not right now um they want another smartphone and vr is the only technology on the horizon that has any potential to be a big thing that where something didn't exist before so that's why I think it's going to be forced to grow whether people want it or not. But once people try out VR for the first time, a lot of people get hooked with it. So I think it's up to technology companies to continue to march forward with this progress to get it into the hands of more people. And that's happening, right? Like the, the Google Daydream stuff is interesting. Uh, Oculus are developing a standalone unit that doesn't need a PC. And as stuff like that continues to move along and it becomes more approachable for more people... VR is going to continue to become a more interesting and, and bigger thing. Well, clearly to the audience, I did not go outside and get more exercise. And I, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Jason. <laughs> um, but, you know, at this point, people seem to be divided up into the two camps. There's those that have tried VR on a good headset and uh, there's those that haven't. And it's hard to really explain what it's like in words. Um, it without sounding like you've been on some really experimental drugs. It's the only yeah. way to describe it. Uh, I mean, like, the Batmobile was right in front of me, and it was huge, and then I was in the Batcave, and the Joker was standing right there, but he wasn't there, but he was there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And the problem is, and it just doesn't make sense. And, and this magical sense of presence that people talk about in reviews, you cannot communicate it. Um, and you... And then once you've tried it, you think, well, this is clearly the future of everything in tech going forward for the rest of humanity because it's, it's just such a, I don't want to say profound experience because it, I was playing a game about being Batman, but <laughs> there's something about it which, until you've tried it, you, you don't know. And the thing is, I don't think any of the current headsets are going to hit any kind of 
critical mass or cell significant numbers. Um, but in five to ten years, or maybe ten to twenty years, when this stuff is small, self-contained, wire- or completely wireless, uh, then that's a form that the mass market might actually buy. I just worry that not enough people are going to be buying the current stuff, and they're not going to see in the profits from it, and so that's not going to pay for the development of what's to come in the future. Or the developers who have come up with launch software for these things aren't going to sell enough of it or as much as they wanted, and they're going to say, well, we're, we're out of this. Uh, so I don't know which way it's going to go at this stage. But in short, you should totally buy the Batman game and be Batman because it's great. Okay, we are done. Thank you, James. That was our fourth topic. We have time for a bonus topic, though. And this bonus topic, Mike, get ready for it. I have a sponsor brought to you by Boom (laughs) 2 from Global Delight. We all use our Macs for different purposes. Some people use it for professional creative designing. Others stick to daily usage like Netflix and YouTube. One feature that everybody loves is audio, the system volume. And sometimes you need just a little bit more. You want your favorite music to be louder, your movies to be crisper, your Skype call audio to be more enhanced. Boom 2 from Global Delight does exactly that. It's a small and powerful app that enhances the volume of the Mac processes the sound when you install bloom to boom 2 on your mac it automatically calibrates itself to your system audio and whenever any audio comes out of your mac it will boost it to perfection even the most feeble of sounds i like that are amplified to the best of the range it's an immersive and crystal clear audio experience that works across all system audio no matter what app you're using once you hear it there's no going back also, uh, Boom 2 comes with amazing audio effects, which are available as in-app purchases. They blend beautifully with the audio and create an amazing audio environment. And above all else, Boom 2 lets you tweak your Mac output with customizable equalizers so you can make it sound exactly the way you want. If you want to get immersed in an audio experience like never before, go to boom4mac.com. That's B-O-O-M-F-O-R-M-A-C.com. There's a seven-day free trial. You can use the entire app for seven days, including all the effects. And if you use the coupon code CLOCKWISE, you'll get 30% off. Boomformac.com, coupon code CLOCKWISE for 30% off. Thank you to Boom and Global Delight for supporting CLOCKWISE. Coupon code CLOCKWISE, by the way, not easy to say. I'm just saying. Coupon code. Coupon code. Yes. So, uh, bonus topic today. It's pretty simple. Hey, we're in Ireland. How are you liking Ireland, Kathy? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's so pretty. Uh... I I really am liking Ireland. I'm based out of the Pacific Northwest, and it feels very similar but different. And so it's not as if I'm going to the middle of Africa and the landscape is completely different. So it's a nice, easy way to transition to a different country without a complete an utter change, although I couldn't figure out how to turn on the light in my hotel room and had to call reception. That was slightly embarrassing. I don't think that's an island problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just a me problem, is that what I you're saying? Say no, of course not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's just been, it's been an absolutely amazing trip. And now that my speech is over, it's e- going to be even more amazing because I don't have to worry about that. Very nice. Mike, Kathy, you came all the way from England Kathy, to be here. Kathy mentioned a speech. She gave a talk last night and it was amazing. It was. Yeah, so congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, all the way from merry old England. <laughs> uh, the, the location that we're at, the Europe Hotel in Killarney, cannot be described. The beauty of this place cannot be described. But what I did want to mention, because I've, I've, I've been to this place before, I spent more time in Dublin than I ever have before. And I was very pleasantly surprised of how lovely Dublin is, especially how much hipster coffee there is everywhere. I had all of it. 
Uh, and I'm still <laughs> feeling the effects. So thank you very much, Dublin. So wow, it really is like the Northwest, then, yeah. isn't it? Very yeah. much. Have you tried 3FE? Yes. Okay. Just James, now, how are you enjoying Ireland? You, you lived and worked here in Cork for yes. several years. So I, Flashbacks? I, I lived in Cork <laughs> for four years, so I think that makes me 10% Irish. Mm. Which is good because when the UK completely crashes and burns and turns into a post-apocalyptic wasteland, which will probably happen by the time we get back, um, this is like a really close landmass that <laughs> I'm hoping my 10% Irish heritage will enable me to get a passport and then I can, I can sort of escape. Very nice. A short hop from Scotland to, yes. to get here too. All right, I'm I'm loving it. This is strangely I had never been to Ireland before 2013 and I have been in Ireland in 2013, 14, 15 and 16 now. <laughs> four trips in 4 years. It's very strange, but I love it. It's great. Um my first visit here I went with the guys who um who do Ool. I, I met them and we had uh, dinner and then we went out to a pub and uh had some Guinness and uh, Dermot looked at me and he said, "You got the with, with your hair and your uh, and your blue eyes." He said, "If you don't open your mouth and speak American, they wouldn't know that you weren't Irish." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, that's great. These are my people, and they got black tea and dark beer. It, this is my place, so I'm very happy to be here too." All right, we did it. We did a live clockwise Ooh, in under hooray. 30 minutes, or at least it will be when I cut out all those parts that uh, nobody's going to hear. <laughs> and uh, so, it just remains time to thank our guests. Kathy Campbell, thank you so much for being on the other side of the microphone. Thank you for letting me stare at your face Ooh, instead of your voice. Creepy. <laughs> and James Thompson, thank you so much for joining us again. Well, uh, l- last year I was the audience, the entire audience, mm-hmm. for <laughs> Clockwise. So I figured this time I would move to the other side. So next year, all of you yeah. get to be on Clockwise. 35-person <laughs> Clockwise. Wow. One minute each. Yeah. <laughs> Under three hours. Yes. All right. Well, that does it for Clockwise for this week. We'll be back with a regular episode next week. But until then, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.